Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what is happening at Quinn Industrial Holdings in Cavan and Fermanagh? The entire country has been talking for over a week about what is happening in Derry Lynn. On the 18th of September, news broke about the abduction of businessman Kevin Lunny in Fermanagh. The director and chief operating officer of Quinn Industrial Holdings was savagely beaten and left on the side of a cavern road with what have been described as life-changing injuries. It is now believed that a gang led by a former IRA member with a string of convictions was behind the planning of the attack. Searches were carried out in Cavan, Leitrim and Fermanagh by both the PSNI and Gardaí. While much of the population was completely taken aback by the barbaric attack, those in the border region were not. It was not the first attack on a Quinn executive, to the point that one of Lunny's colleagues, John McCartan, told Claire Byrne that he couldn't say we have always lived in fear because we have just gotten used to it as we go. So how did we get to a point that a number of business executives in Ireland live like this? To look at the background and also what could happen in the future, I'm joined by the Journal.ie reporters Gareth McNamee and Dominic McGrath, as well as Deputy Editor at the Impartial Reporter Rodney Edwards. Dominic, this situation in Derry Lynn has had people across the country talking for days, but can you take us back to Tuesday the 17th September? What exactly happened? So Kevin Lunny um, is the Chief Operating Officer of Quinn Industrial Holdings. He was abducted from Canoli on his way home. And he was basically tortured in a remote area and then was dumped on the side of the road in Cavan. Um, and Kevin Lunny is associated with this company and a very well-known figure in the local area. Um, that's for a number of reasons. One is because the Quinn Industrial Holdings is a very major employer in the local area in Fermanagh and Cavan. But more importantly, it's also because the name Quinn is... Synonymous in Ireland, of course, with Sean Quinn, the former billionaire businessman. Now, Kevin Lunny was involved in the takeover of the company after Sean Quinn's business empire collapsed. He was put in place by an investor group and he's been involved in making sure that the company actually can function and continue to employ people in the local area. So just to go back to Tuesday again and, and what happened to Kevin Lunny, what, what details about the attack do we know now? So as the days have gone by, quite a lot of horrific details have come out. So we know that he was tortured. He was brought to a horse box or some kind of container in a very remote area. He had his legs broken. Um, he was threatened that more bones would be broken. He had fingernails pulled out. His neck and face was cut with blades. The Irish News, um, a Northern Irish paper, reported earlier um, this week as well that Lunny had the initials of Quinn Industrial Holdings cut into his chest with a knife. So it's a really horrific, really savage attack. This is not the first attack that has happened on people involved in Quinn Industrial Holdings. What else has been um, going on in the area over the last number of years? Yeah, so and the important thing to realise is that, as you say, this is a shocking attack, but in some ways not surprising. Um, in the last few years, there's been over 70 reported incidents involving violence and intimidation against members of the Quinn board. Um, people in the local area were shocked by the extent of the violence, but they weren't particularly surprised. There have been warnings for years that someone could get killed. That's the extent of the campaign of intimidation and violence that's been going on in the local area. And some of the details are quite terrifying. Um, there's been arson attacks 
on local directors' homes, um, family homes where their kids are. Um, there was a pig's head dumped at the home of a company director in January 2015. Um, in March 2016, three bullets and a funeral wreath and a warning note were also addressed to a contractor working for Quinn Industrial Holdings. And there's been a whole spate of similar incidents that have sort of grown um, in intensity in the last few years and really sort of peaked in recent months. We're joined on the line now by Rodney Edwards, a deputy editor of The Impartial Reporter, who has been reporting on this in the area for years now. Rodney, how do you think it escalated to here? Is there theories up there about how it has gone from, yes, generally people in the area wanting Sean Quinn to remain successful to taking it out on on three people who, who took over the business and have tried to continue to make it a success? Well, I do, I do know, you know, from speaking to local sources, it would appear that the distant Republicans and criminal gangs are, are behind a lot of uh, the intimidation, harassment, and indeed last week's attack on, on Kevin Lunny. So I wouldn't like to speculate as to uh, how we've arrived at this point, but I do know that it is a worrying um, development. And I think, uh, as one person said to me last week, um, within hours after the incident, it is now beyond the pale. Um, we've been talking about what's been happening in recent years, but can you take us right back um, to where Sean Quinn and his family, kind of their, the importance of them to the area comes into play. Um, what did they do for, for the area around Derry Lynn? Sean Quinn, as we know, turned a small family quarry in a very rural part of County Fermanagh into a huge empire and created thousands of jobs. And he really had it all, manufacturing, power, financial services, property development, and a string of hotels, including the Sleeve Russell, a four-star hotel right next door to his house. And for years, he was seen as a godlike figure in this very rural border area. And he totally transformed that part of, of Fermanagh Cave and that, that, that border area. And as I say, created so many jobs. And for that reason, um, he's had you know widespread support for, for, for decades. But then, of course, the recession hit. And in 2011, he lost control of his multi-euro billion business empire. And that is simply because he made a disastrous investment in Anglo-Irish Bank. He lost control of this uh, entire business the following year, and that prompted mass protests and rallies in Fermanagh and Cavan. And I started at the Impartial Border almost 10 years ago, and you know, within a short period of time, I found myself writing about all things Sean Quinn, the highs and lows, and I attended every single rally and every single event, and there were public meetings held, uh, both north and south. As you know, um, there was much discussion across not only the media, but in in the Dáil and, and in Stormont here in, in the north. And it was a huge story. And to be honest, it's never really gone away. There's always been twists and turns. And then, of course, in 2014, uh, his former businesses were bought by local businessmen as part of a consortium. This was backed by U.S. investment firms who brought back former Quinn senior management, including Kevin Lonnie, 
who was then a close friend of the Quinn family. And those individuals were asked to, to run the business. And again, I was at that launch and I can remember very well the employees ripping down a sign that had Aventus Group written on it and setting fire to it. Who were Aventus Group? Aventus Group was the group that took over um, from uh, Quinn's. So when the administra- administrator kicked in, uh, the Aventus Group took over um, uh, the, the company. What parts of the business did they take over? The manufacturing side of the business. And it was back then, 2016, uh, when most of the attacks and intimidation began. Um, and uh, we saw, you know, huge um, uh, scenes of, of destruction and harassment and, and all kinds of, of goings on in, in that border region. And as I say, I was at the launch when, when, when those businesses were bought. And Sean Quinn was there, and he he was brought back into the company as a consultant. But then, you know, within a year or so, uh, there were some internal issues uh, between um, Sean Quinn and his uh, his colleagues. What was the the thinking behind having him there? Well, the business was taken over by by people who would have been very supportive of Sean Quinn, his former colleagues, his friends, and they felt that they could use his expertise. So there was much. Uh, I remember going to the launch when it, when 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 the, this was all announced, and there was much excitement that that he was brought back, and the whole chatting area was Quinn is back where he belongs, and all this kind of thing. And John McCartan and, and others were there, uh, other executives, Liam McCaffrey, of course Kevin Lunny, and there was this uh, excitement, you know, that that he was back, and as I say. After a period of time, there were some internal issues. The relationship between Sean Quinn and, and the others um, uh, just went downhill. And he found himself sacked from the company because of these internal issues, a company that he once owned. And that led to a complete breakdown of relations between him and his, his one-time colleagues. This is, we're in, we're in 20, 2016 now, correct? Yeah, uh, I think, well, I'd need to check the precise date of when he, he left the business, but he, he left the business. Um, and after that, there was obviously uh, lots of support still for him in the area. And we saw we saw banners being erected that said, you know, bring Quinn back. We saw lots of um, uh, harassment and, and intimidation that was experienced by those management, both online and and in Darlin and Ballyconnell. And that has gone on for uh, some time now. And obviously, um, there's been over 70 incidents in that time. And again, we've had to cover many of them. There are a lot of late night uh, phone calls and messages, on, on usually on a, on a Thursday or Friday night, um, uh, alerting us to, to what was going on in the, in the area. And really, really dangerous incidents. But then, of course, last week was, was the worst of all. So as I say, I've covered the... The highs and lows of the whole Quinn story, but last Tuesday night was was most certainly the lowest. And this, um, what's been described as a savage attack on Kevin Lonnie. And I know Mr. Quinn was deeply troubled by the incident. I spoke to him last week, and he he explained that um, that uh, he, he he thought it was barbaric that you wouldn't do that to an animal. He said. Um, 
but I also sensed that he was quite irked at, at uh, even, you know, having to come out and, and defend himself, if you like. He, he was annoyed that his name was, was in the mix. And uh, the fact, I suppose, that he spoke out against what happened to Mr. Lonnie has been welcomed by people here. Yeah, I was going to ask, is the support for the Quinn family, um, are these now two separate issues in people's head? Well, it's a balancing act for most people here, and that includes uh, journalists, it includes people that work and live in that area. And yes, you, you most certainly have to be careful. Um, so people generally feel sorry for Sean Quinn. They feel sorry about his fall from grace. And many of them still respect him and his family. And I've known him for for many years. He divides opinion. And it would be completely wrong to say that every single person in Fermanagh backs Sean Quinn to the hilt because they don't. Uh, Although he still has supporters and many of whom still want to see him back run this former business, I do think those employees, um, and there are over 800 of them, just want a bit of stability. And they are quite content to just get on with the job and, and pay the bills and get home each evening to see their families. But And we can talk about it uh, in, a, in a little bit. Um, but I do know that they are concerned and fearful right now. But at the end of the day, Sean Quinn got greedy. He would admit that himself. He took risks. And I believe he thinks about that every day. Does he still want his business back? Does he still want that business back? I think he's finally come around to the idea that he will not get his business back. I think he is now focused on other uh, avenues such as uh, the Quinn Bet, an online gambling uh, business that he set up with his son, uh, Sean Jr. So I think he's he's finally realized it. But yes, uh, I mean, no doubt about it, for many years, he thought and felt that he would get his empire back. How is the company doing now? The company is doing very well, by all accounts. Um, There's obviously concern by the employees um, about uh, the attacks, about any further incidents. Um, But QIH is a big employer. And by all accounts, it is doing exceptionally well. Uh, Kevin Lonnie and others continue to invest in the company. And staff generally seem happy with the way things are going. But of course, you know, how long will those investors and others put up with this? Uh, as one employee remarked to me earlier today, and so employees are concerned not only that you know they want to feel safe at work, but they want to also um, feel that their futures uh, are safe as well. So in terms of, you mentioned there, distant Republicans um, have been kind of the, the people cited as being involved. What are the PSNI and, and Angarda Siakana saying about what has been happening? Well, there's a huge cross-border uh, operation in place now, um, but people are frustrated. Locals um, are, are, are annoyed, um, to be frank. Uh, the feeling of management, of staff, of locals and of family and friends and colleagues of Kevin Lonnie is that there hasn't been enough done. You know, there's been over 70 incidents over the years. And as we talk right now, there hasn't been one arrest. And that is infuriating locals. And now the focus is very much on the police, on both sides of the border, to do something about this. You know, let us uh, not forget the, the threats, the intimidation, the harassment. They were all, all reported to police. And now people want action. 
and they want to see those responsible brought to justice. Yeah, Derville MacDonald wrote over a year ago and Mark Paul repeated um, it in the Irish Times this week that if this was an American multinational or an IDA Ireland company that, you know, there'd be cabinet meetings and security briefings um, across the board. Um, Is that something that people up there want to see, that they want to see more presence of security? They want to see, you know, Taoiseachs and, and, and people in Stormont talking about it. Is that the kind of action they want? Absolutely. I mean, the difficulty is uh, we don't have a functioning government in the north now um, and haven't had it for over 1,000 days. So that's uh, a frustration. Um, So we're looking, I suppose, towards um, our friends in in the south uh, to see how they are treating this matter. And yes, from speaking to those around the management, and I've spoken to a lot of people in recent days, but speaking to those people, uh, they want to see more of a police presence. Dominic, do we know what the point or what do these people want in the end? So the thing is, it's actually not incredibly clear what the motivations are. Um, for instance, there's no real prospect that Sean Quinn can actually return and run the business in Fermanagh and Cavan. And it's surely unlikely that those carrying out these attacks, this campaign of intimidation, actually believe this could be a possibility. The thing is, there's also no local support. Um, People are worried that these attacks, this intimidation could threaten jobs in the air, could cause the company to actually leave Fermanagh. So it's kind of strange and quite difficult to sort of pinpoint an exact clear motivation. If you look at the Facebook pages that sprung up to defend Sean Quinn, it was very clear that they were trying to discredit the various directors of Quinn Industrial Holdings. But the reasons behind the violent campaign are, well, not really as clear-cut. People feel that Sean Quinn, a man who was worshipped, literally worshipped in the local area, was, I guess, more sinned against than sinning, that he was treated unfairly, that the new directors betrayed him in some way, and that he was forced out of the company after being brought back briefly as a consultant. Um, and really, you get the sense, talking to people in the local area, that the fate of Fermanagh and Cavan is really bound up in the fate of Sean Quinn and that the slights against him were uh, intimate and intensely personal. Um, I mean, one of the quotes from one of the social media pages sums it up really well and captures the theme of um, people's feelings um, it says, you know, there'll be no stone left unturned in our efforts to have the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth revealed. Which goes to show, I think, that, you know, the, a lot of the motivations are bound up in this sense of something shadowy happened to Sean Quinn. But again, it's still hard to pinpoint what this violent campaign is going to achieve in the end. Gareth, you spent some time in the border region uh, mm. recently. Is there theories, what Rodney said there, there is no arrest being made, but there are theories about who is behind these attacks. What did you learn up there? Yeah, so Gardy and the PSNI are, are working, to use their cliche, but on a definite line of inquiry in relation to a particular gang, which, um, so Gardy believe, were hired to abduct Mr. Lunny and to um, put him through that horrific ordeal that he suffered. Um, there's talk now that the gang is being led by a former member of the provisional IRA. There was also talk, I believe, in um, you know, other media outlets that there is aspects of the continuity IRA. But I suppose up up in up in the border region, so many different splinter cells so often mold into one um, that 
you know, you can you can safely say that there is a distant Republican link to it, but whether it is provisional or continuity is is up to it's up to even the criminals themselves to decide which, which faction they belong to. Um, but what we do know is that the main suspect is a former provisional IRA guy with a string of convictions. Um, he's believed to be the leader of this gang. Uh, he has multiple convictions. He lives north of the border um, in Fermanagh and he is the chief suspect. Now, Gardy um, went out to Drumblad, which is a town just outside Ballina. Um, in Cavan, where Mr. Lunny, they believe Mr. Lunny uh, was subjected to the, I suppose, tortures. Anyway, you can you can say it, the horrific ordeal. Um, the Garda Technical Bureau was up there on a Sunday and Monday, carrying out forensic tests, and I believe that a significant piece of forensic evidence has been recovered in that uh, in those from those tests. Um, so they're going to run that through a database and see if it corresponds to a uh, a criminal who has already been through the criminal justice system and go from there. But what I thought was quite interesting when I was up at Drumblad was um, how remote and how, you know, off the beaten track this horrific crime uh, occurred uh, and how kind of terrified Miss Lunny must have been in that half an hour because I actually did the drive from Drumblad to Canali where he's from and where he was abducted from uh, and it's 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 actually a proper spin out it's not just kind of around the corner down a back lane kind of thing um, I'm just thinking if I was um, kind of thrown into the back of an Audi and, and, and seriously beaten and what goes through your mind in that half an hour drive it's not that it was 10 minutes and you're out the gap Is there there's obviously a bit of knowledge about who might be behind this mm-hmm. is there any idea of the motive or is it all just an escalation of this um, I guess targeting of the executives that that happened that's been happening since since Sean Quinn left the business I suppose this is the question for for everybody up there who either lives there or either working for the Guardian or PSNI is like how has this become such a horrific and terrible um, campaign of violence and intimidation because it, it did start out I believe um, by you know posts on social media and that kind of garnered support and all of a sudden you have a kind of a, a civil war kind of area if you're if you're pro or anti a certain a certain side uh, and that's just developed into more criminal more violent acts is there a lack of urgency in this investigation so I, I think Gardy and the PSNI are kind of hitting their heads against a brick wall here um, and it's kind of something I kind of experienced from my maybe 12 hours or so up in the, the border region compared to like you know what the Gardy have to deal with on a, on a daily basis and I suppose the biggest problem that I found geez, and I, even as a journalist up there was um, the unwillingness of, of people to, to not speak be it on the record or even off the record um, for very valid reasons I remember I was up in Canali in where Mr. Lunny is from. Uh, I remember speaking to um, a woman who was out walking her dog outside a, it was outside a local bar and we just got chatting and, and we, were, we were saying, you know, terrible things. And she was saying, you know, how the people who carried this out are savages and how she knew or knows Mr. Lunny very well. And then I was like, can I just get your name just for, for the piece? And she just, just actually just laughed and said, not a hope in hell am I giving you my name, not a hope. And kind of walked off. But I must have spoken to maybe like 15 or 20 people um, between Drumblade, 
Drumblade, Ballinac, uh, Kildare, Ballyconnell uh, town itself, and like it was, I was met bar one person uh, who gave his name. I was met with a a resounding kind of no. It was even kind of laughable that I was even asking for their names because no one was wanted to kind of wanted to stick their neck out. And I remember talking to a, a source of mine up in the border region and. Uh, he was like, yeah, well, that's what we have to deal with um, quite often on a, on a daily basis, that kind of thing. And and um, there was complaints that no arrests have been made. And, and obviously people are very frustrated about that. Um, but there was one thing that my contact said to me, and it might sound a bit flippant, but he makes a good point. He, he said he'd recently rewatched the movie Training Day. I don't know if people are familiar with it, but there's a line in it saying, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. And that's basically what he's saying. Everyone knows, the dog in the street knows what's happening in Cavan, in Kildare, in Kinali. Everyone knows, but like, there's not the piece of evidence that you can go, right, we can bring in so-and-so uh, under suspicion of, of a certain offence. Because if you start arresting people once a week, even though you know they're involved and have no evidence, they can just turn around and say, you know, that's harassment. And then you're you're, you're stuck um, at square one with... with bigger problems over your head than, you know, um, a wrongful arrest. Yeah. Dominic, this silence is something you experienced as well, reporting on this, but you were even trying to speak to local politicians who were usually quite easy to, to get to talk to you and they weren't even willing to kind of expand on, on the situation that much. Yeah, I was first um, bemused, maybe actually more amazed that when I spoke to the first few sort of councillors, I asked them, you know, if they could talk to me about what happened to Kevin Lunny, and they said, no, you know, it's just broken, I don't want to talk about it. I said to them, no, I'd rather, you know, talk about the events that have happened in recent months and years, you know, these really high-profile, well-known events, and they couldn't get off the phone quick enough, some of them. It was quite a remarkable indication of, I think, the level of of fear in the local community. Even, you know, local councillors were unwilling to talk to journalists about what's going on. The the escalation has um, brought a statement from people working in Quinn, though, Gareth, and that was kind of probably um, the first really official thing we've had from them. What did they say um, on Friday? I suppose um, it was strength in numbers for them to put out the statement. I think there was a signed petition by everybody involved, so it wasn't just the one person kind of talking to a journalist or talking to Gardy or something like that. So it was there was hundreds. Um, the statement was basically that they're 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 sick of the violence. They they, they called it a reign of terror almost. Uh, uh, they were want the intimidation to stop. They want to just go to work, um, knowing that they and their colleagues are not going to be targeted with um, ridiculously violent acts, and they just want to get on with their lives and put food on the table for their families. That's what the the, the message was from from the staff at Quinn Industrial Holdings. Great, yeah, and it, it seems like quite a simple request um, something obviously that has been going on for years and I'm sure we'll return to it again thanks so much for coming in and explaining that Gareth, Dominic and Rodney Thank you for listening to The Explainer This episode was brought to you by executive producer Christine Bohan producer Aoife Barry and assistant producer and tech operator Nikki Ryan Big thank you to Gareth, Dominic and Rodney for their work on this episode I'm Sinead O'Carroll and we'll be back next week with a brand new topic In the meantime check out some of our other shows Last time, we looked at the rise of the chemsex phenomenon. Also in the back catalogue are episodes about current Brexit bogeyman Dominic Cummings and why we're being told to eat less meat. If you're enjoying these episodes, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you and catch you next time.